You're listening to Wastoids. Hey, Wastoids listeners, some cool news. Rough Trade is teaming up with Hello Merch to bring exclusive clothing and accessories to Rough Trade's New York location at 30 Rockefeller Plaza on June 30th in Brooklyn. This collaboration kicks off with a slate of limited edition t-shirts from Hello Merch artists, including Japanese Breakfast, Parquet Courts, Amel and the Sniffers, Black Pumas, A Place to Bury Strangers, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, Mac DeMarco, Death Heaven, Angel Olsen, and Indigo D'Souza. Come hang out with us at this free all-ages event at Rough Trade New York on Thursday, June 30th at 6 p.m. with a special DJ set by A Place to Bury Strangers, limited edition shirts, totes, and stickers featuring art by Sonny, and a special beer from Other Half Brewery. For more info, visit roughtrade.com backslash US backslash events. That's roughtrade.com backslash US backslash events. This is Wastoids, and I'm your buddy Jason Woodbury, and I'm hanging out with a voice that should be familiar to Wastoids listeners. It's Mark Masters, co-host of The Spindle Podcast. Every two weeks, he and his partner John Howard discuss a single 7-inch record here on Wastoids. So far, they've covered 45s by Flipper, Pavement, Superchunk, and Husker Du. Mark's also a musician. He and John played in a group called The Plums. Their tune, More A New Action, is playing behind me right now. And he's one of my favorite music writers whose work can be read in places like Pitchfork, Bandcamp, NPR, The Washington Post, and The Wire. His 2007 book, No Wave, is sadly out of print, but it commands high dollar prices on the secondary market, and he's hard at work on a new book about the history of cassettes, which we discuss here today on Wastoids with Mark Masters. Thanks for hanging out on Wastoids. As Wastoids listeners are uh, obviously aware, you're a you're a fixture here on the the Wastoids frequency. Um, uh-huh. how, how have you been enjoying doing the spindle? It's it's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, no, I've been really enjoying it, and been psyched that people seem to be into it who have heard it. And um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I I basically you know I moved here about a year ago, and I basically the idea was just to, to do it with my friend John. <clears throat> excuse me, as a way to. Uh, keep in touch with him basically we've been friends for a long time and and uh you know once we started doing it it's, we actually kind of thought maybe we have something with it so how did you how did you first meet john um at a record store <laughs> yeah so there there was a dc area record store that my brother was actually working at and we we're just hanging out there and i think i'm trying to remember there was some record that i picked up that he commented on and we started talking and then <clears throat> then we realized we knew so much music in common. And then we figured out we lived just blocks away from each other. And basically from then on, we just kept hanging out. And then I, he, he's been a musician for many years in many different bands and I had never played anything, but him and his wife uh, kept encouraging me to, to do something. And I finally bought a bass and they, they basically uh, corralled me into playing with them. And we had, we started a band and stuff, even though I still never really figured out what I was doing, but yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which band is that? We were called the Plums. Yeah, so and, we... and there's some stuff on Bandcamp that people can check out. It's pretty good shit, man. I like it. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We had a few things out. I mean, it's funny. We were around, we played together and did shows for a long, long time. But I think we played one show outside of DC in like the 15 years we were together. So it was it was a pretty low key proposition most of the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> Have you guys considered reigniting the band uh, on a remote? 
uh, basis, similar to the way you do the podcast. You'll just send him bass lines and he can <laughs> yeah. write epic jammers over that. Yeah, that would be a good idea if I knew how to make a bass line, but I, I really still don't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he and his wife have uh, actually a great band called Nice Breeze that have been going for a few years in D.C. now. So uh, they're pretty busy with that. And that's worth checking out. They've got a lot of good stuff on Bandcamp, too. So. yeah hell yeah hell yeah cool. the uh uh-huh. the 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 spindle stuff it's it's great because not only do you get a sense of the uh you and uh, you and john as like record nerds and people with <laughs> a lot to to say about mm-hmm. independent music or whatever but you get a little bit of a of a back and forth between the two of you and you, it's it's not like you have competing styles but you've got complementary styles it feels like he's one of those dudes who seems like he's always like I love record collectors for whom it's not about the obscurity of their knowledge, but the depth of their knowledge. And that's what I, that's what I get from listening to him. You know, it's like, for sure you'll, you'll throw out sort of like a cultural reference point Mm -hmm. or a, or a contextual idea. And he'll be like, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, but a little more like this. And it's like, (laughs) I I like that so much. It's, Uh it's a fun show. It's a fun show. We love you guys doing it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's, he's a historian, essentially. He went to grad school for history and he, he knows how to, I mean, his sort of whole life is just research basically. I mean, he's read more, reads more music books than anybody I know and yeah. has more, more records than anybody I know too. At one point, I think he claimed that he had every fall record ever made, which. Which would be <laughs> yeah. a tough, would be a tough thing yeah. to, to, yeah. to, to pull off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and and these are the conversations I have with them were kind of conversations we used to have at band practices and stuff too. I mean, it was pretty natural because we always talk about music like this anyway. But it's kind of fun to have it in a little more formalized thing where I can actually ask him the questions I always want to ask him when we're talking about something, but we you know go on a million tangents and things like that. So, of course, of course. <laughs> well, so so you're hard at work on a book right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a book mm-hmm. about it's it's a book about tape culture, basically, right? It, or what's what's yes. the what's the the elevator pitch for it? <laughs> well, it's really uh, you know technically a history of the cassette tape format. So uh, I do focus primarily on cultures around cassette tapes, but I also go through the history of how it came to be and and all the crazy issues with it when it first came out and how the record industry was against it, much like they'd later be against MP3s. And, um, and I also try to, you know, get into the international cassette use somewhat. I, you know, unfortunately I didn't have the budget to travel to other countries, but luckily there's been a lot of people who've done that work. And so I talked to those people who scoured shelves and, and, far off places for cassettes and um yeah. you know a lot of, but but yeah culturally uh, it, the cultural is a big focus about it i wanted to I'm, I'm keeping it primarily to music that has happened because of cassettes or benefited from cassettes or used cassettes and of course people who are still doing it now too yeah it's it's one of those things where people are always um ever since the vinyl resurgence you know which at this point is a a well-established trope and kind of an old one, frankly. You know, at this point, yeah. I mean, people have been writing the the vinyl as backstories for I don't know what fifteen years now. Is I that, think I'd say I'd say at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. About about fifteen years now. That's been the 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 you know sort of um, the narrative that has informed the way people talk about vinyl. Mm-hmm. People ask about cassettes. Will cassettes come back in the same way? And and to mm-hmm. me. At this point, it doesn't seem like they will come back in the same way, but in part because their utility never 
entirely wore out, right? That's I mean, correct. like, what, what, what? Yeah, what do you? Where do you sort of? When when you think or are asked to prognost- prognosticate about like the sort of uh, you know the the future of the format, what what where do you think it sits for for music fans? I think it's it's sort of settled into a good place now. There was a little bit of the same kind of vibe around it that Vinyl Resurgence had. It, it's funny. I mean, I I remember there being cassette resurgence articles for a while too, but it always seems smaller. But when I researched it, like there like there's some articles from like 2008 that say mm-hmm. is the cassette back. There's even an article from 2009 saying. The, I'm sick of the cassette comeback. <laughs> so it's it's weird how long it's been around as well. But <clears throat> I mean, I think the bi- the basic the biggest utility for it now that I think is going to stick around is small labels can make physical media cheaper and faster than they can do with vinyl, and uh, give people a way to buy something even if they ultimately end up listening to the digital download. I think that's going to stay around. It, it just unless vinyl somehow becomes cheaper which i i think the opposite is always going to be it's always going to be more expensive i think tapes are always going to be not always but going to stick around for a long time as an as that kind of option i think they're important that way i mean they're and there are people still buying blank tapes and making mixtapes and dubbing things and that'll always kind of be around too but i think what's been significant about it in the past 10 years is that people have realized it's it's a viable way to sell your music without having to just be on streaming services and nothing else you know yeah, it's also a very hackable format. It's just uh-huh. it is it it's like accessible in a way that like if I if you and I were kicking around practice and we thought let's make a seven inch, you know, uh-huh. that's not gonna happen. You can't do <laughs> right. that. Right. You can make a tape pretty easily, right? I mean you've got yeah. all these different it's 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 very much like an adaptable source. I think that's part uh-huh. of what you know, it's like I have a big old box of, of Grateful Dead tapes that my uncle gave me in probably mm. 2000, I don't know, seven. Nice. And uh, <laughs> they're all 90s shows, which, uh, so depending on your taste for like MIDI keyboards, you know, maybe uh-huh. not everybody's favorite dead stuff, but <laughs> just looking at them, there's, uh, I would never let them go, you know, because mm-hmm. like that, that tangible sense, and it's similar with certain records that I have, you know, like mm-hmm. old copies of stuff where somebody wrote their name or they right. drew something or it says, you know, mm-hmm. Stephen's record or something on the front of it, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. But with a tape, you really do get the sense of this passed from somebody to mm-hmm. somebody. Right. You know, it, I don't know. It's, it's all uh-huh. it's a very interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're so much more personalizable than any other format. I mean, that was the revolution of them at the beginning was that the people could use them to make their own things or, or to dub their own things and to draw their own art on them and things like that. And that's always going to be something about them. That's even if people aren't doing it as much as now the history of it will always be there. You always find tapes like that in thrift stores or yeah, I mean, for for a while, I've been trying to find as many of these Napa Valley hundred cassette racks as I can, which have gotten pretty rare and somewhat expensive. And I, I found one on eBay where the the picture was this rack full of country cassettes, including hand dub country cassettes. And I thought, well, I, I'll, it was a good price, so I got it. When I went to pick it up, it was a local. The tapes came with it, which I didn't realize, you know. And those have been fun to listen to. They're not necessarily the kind of music I'm interested in, but some of them like don't even have big labels and I'm or aren't that well labeled, and I can't really tell what they are and yeah, I don't know. You know, there's experiences like that with records now, but that's much, much rarer to come across a mysterious record anymore. But you can still come across mysterious tapes for sure. Night Flight has always been a rite of passage, a trip of entertainment discovery, old and new. 
an eye-opening taste of counterculture smoked with timeless jewels of artistic buds. Now, we can finally get closer to that original cable TV experience we've all been missing with Night Flight Plus, an all-access membership to original episodes of Night Flight, as well as a library of hundreds of music documentaries, concert movies, sci-fi and horror cult films, public access rarities, and more weird stuff. Right now, Wastoids listeners can get $10 off an annual membership. That means access to Night Flight's library for only $29.99 a year. Head to www.nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and enter Wastoids in all caps. That's W-A-S-T-O-I-D-S in all caps. Enter promo code Wastoids at nightflightplus.com backslash promo code and get back in the days. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like you mentioned, there was there was industry uh trepidation about them, right? I mean, everybody mm-hmm. remembers the home home taping is killing music thing, you yep. know? Like yep. so that that uh accessibility and that customer customization that it allowed mm-hmm. you to do, it, the industry wasn't necessarily gung-ho about that at first. No, I mean, it was kind of a battle between people the the companies that made the cassettes and the and the people that made music and and but of course, as the industry has always treated it with, instead of kind of either making a plea for our artists are going to lose money this way or or going after the cassette companies the companies themselves, they they mostly said, the people who are doing this are the are the culprits, the people at home sitting dubbing tapes. You're the ones that should feel bad about yourselves and you're the ones that should stop doing this. And as we can, right. as we've seen with all their other attempts to stop things like that, that doesn't help. It usually just makes people more psyched to be doing it, to know that the industry doesn't want them to be doing it. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is such a fascinating thing to consider uh-huh. that. Yeah. That, that allure yeah. becomes a part of it for sure. The pirate, yeah. the pirate mentality uh-huh. kicks in. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I found was really funny. I mean, there are a lot of articles about this whole home taping is killing music thing when it was happening. At one point, when it first came out, uh, the British, it was a British thing, a British uh, phonographic industry or whatever. They made these shirts and bumper stickers with it on it, and they did some deal with KTEL who was coming out with like a chart hit, one of their latest chart hits comp, that the people who worked for KTEL had to wear the shirt and put the bumper sticker on their car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, man. Which is yeah. kind of hilarious, but. Well, so speaking of cassettes, next month uh, sees there's there's going to be a, a, a 30th anniversary edition of, of Slanted and Enchanted, the, uh, mm-hmm. the Pavement record. You're a big Pavement fan. And mm-hmm. something that I thought was, was fascinating was um, the, the label, Matador, is, is doing a cassette uh, reissue, essentially, mm-hmm. of counting sundown offers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what you, you got it right there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I do have a copy of yeah. And so they they reached out to you to potentially source your original cassette ver- or or your your what second generation dub how, how how exactly what's the story here? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure exactly where in the process my dub comes. I mean, the way I got it was I was writing for a magazine called Rockpool at the time that the record was about to come out and I had to, I was didn't have to I wanted to interview them about it. And so Bob Nisanovich dubbed a copy of the album and hand wrote the songs on it and sent it to me. And I've hung on to that cassette since then, because it's just such an interesting looking thing. Now, that that was more sort of the what would become the official version of the album was on that tape. But before that, there were kind of demos of it circulating that had different 
track orders, different song names. And uh, I'd heard about that one circulating. I'd never really seen it at the time, but I knew that some people had it. And <clears throat> when I've talked about it on social media, a couple of people have mentioned, oh yeah, I saw that. And my friend, Ken Katkin, who at the back at that time, I guess was the uh, main guy at Homestead Records, had one, still had it, still had it in really good shape. So, um, so his, his, is, his version is kind of the one that ends up being, dupl I don't know, dupl they basically uh, copied the way it looks for the tape that's going in the box set. Yeah. So uh, in a way, I, I my my role in it was more hooking up Ken with Matador, but they also I I mailed them my tape and they looked at it too to see if there's anything they could do with it, and, and luckily they mailed it back to me and it's in good shape still. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's rad. That's rad. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, and b aside from your cassette book, which by the way, what what's it what's it uh, called, and when when about should <clears throat> people expect to be able to read it? Okay, so it's called High Bias, uh, The Distorted History of the Cassette Tape. And um, unfortunately, with, with all the processes that are involved, once I turn it in, it'll still be a while. So we're hoping sometime mid-next year it cool. should come out. Um, it's on University of North Carolina Press, who um, do getting more into music books. They're, you know, they're an academic press, but uh, they, they, do, they put out the um, Grace Hale's book about the Athens music scene uh, a couple of years ago, which is a great book if anybody's interested in that scene. Yeah. So yeah. So that's 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 the hopeful date is sometime next year, and uh, hopefully, eventually, I'll also do a, a book on tape of it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the idea. There you go. I love that. Well, and 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 I think we we've talked about this a few times. You've got another book, uh, No Wave, mm -hmm. which was 2007. Is that right? That's right. Mm -hmm. So that book is it, people. People really want to get their hands on it, and it's tough. To, <laughs> it's tough to get a hold of. I mean, on one hand, how does how does that feel having that sort of dubious distinction of like writ having written a very desired book, but uh, people can't can't affordably get it for the most part? What, what does that feel yeah. like? Well, I mean, I like that that it still maintains interest. I do often hear from people interested in finding a copy, which is nice. I'm glad people are still interested in it. It's I, it's a big bummer to me that people have to pay those prices for it. That's crazy, and I, I, I wish that wasn't the case. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's just the complicated contractual thing with the with the publisher who kind of does exist but was bought out, et cetera, et cetera. I'm still hopeful that eventually I could figure something out, you know, if uh, to get it reprinted. <clears throat> Sorry. No, it's all good. It, <laughs> to get it reprinted. Um, because I do, I would love more people to be able to read it who haven't been able to read it. And uh, yeah, so hopefully that'll happen. But it, I'm glad, you know, that people seem to still be interested in it. And I, and I do think that's probably, it would be, you know, in the next few years would be a good time to rekindle it just because No Wave just never goes away, which is awesome. I mean, I still hear so many people were making references to it in terms of describing a new band as like that or rediscovering some band from the time periods. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, dude, it's good catching up a little bit. Uh, Same here. Thanks for thanks for hanging out here on Wasteoids. People can listen to the Spindle every other week on Wasteoids. It alternates with uh, a show I do with Sam called Click Vortex, and um, and yeah, as far as we'll 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 have you back on to talk more about formats to close out. You know vinyl seven inches cassettes compact discs eight tracks there's all these different formats if you had to pick one would it would it would it would it be cassettes for you <laughs> oh that's a good that's a good question i don't know i mean i, ha I have tons of all of them and uh i wouldn't want to really give up any of them of course but 
I don't know. I mean, cassettes are super cool, but uh, it's it's a tie between cassettes and vinyl for me. Like, I, vinyl is is a lot of fun to look at, a lot of fun to pull out, and and there's something yeah. just as magical about it. Um, tapes just happen to have this bonus right right now, and kind of always have that that they're not you you don't feel like you're being preyed upon by people who who want to sell you collector stuff. <laughs> Which yeah, is, that's right. So that's and... a nice little bonus about cassettes. <laughs> yeah, there's some real goofy, real goofy stuff happening with vinyl records right now. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but hey, so it goes. You know, yeah. uh, eventually they'll fall out of fashion again, and it'll yeah. just be us weirdos hoarding them like it <laughs> right. used, like it used to be. Exactly. Well, Mark, thanks, yeah. thanks for hanging out. Sure, appreciate oh, sure. you taking a few minutes. That was great to talk. Thanks for thanks for having me, and thanks for thanks to Wasteoids for want, wanting the spindle to be around. We appreciate it. This week's episode features original music by Sam Means, plus selections from the Plums and Nice Breeze. The spindle airs every other week here on the Wasteoids frequency. An all new episode featuring Mud Honey will drop this Thursday, June twenty third. So be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss a Wasteoids podcast like this one or Cliff Vortex, the show I do every two weeks with Sam. While you're at it, please leave us a five-star rating or post about one of our shows on your social media page. If you want to hear more from Wasteoids, head over to Wastoids.com and press play on the Wastoids sound system. That's a 24-7 stream of all of our audio content. Do you have any cassette stories you want to share? Want to talk about why they're the best format or the worst format? All you have to do is give us a call to get in touch. That's one eight seven seven wastoids Give us a ring and we will play your message on a future episode of the show. I wanted to hear something from Matt, not me record something.